0: Open your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Have you ever looked out into the world and you see what's going on in the world and, and sometimes it appears that all you can see is suffering and pain and struggle? I think about the Holocaust and if you can imagine what it would have been like for a Jew in one of the death camps. Where they take a, a lady in and shave all of her hair off and send her into the gas chamber, or Joseph Mengele and the, the the torturous experiments that he did on children and twins, and just the the evil that exists in the world and the suffering. You know, it, if you go into the inner city and you look at the, at children and it, it it seems like they have no future. It seems as if they have no hope. And they look around and the people who Have the nice cars and the nice clothes are the the gangbangers and the drug dealers and those that are involved in all kinds of illicit crime. And they start to think there's no way to get out. There's no hope for the future. This is what Solomon saw. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 9. He said, "...all this have I seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt." And so I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city, where they had so done. This is also vanity, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. What Solomon is seeing is that there are evil people, and those evil people, they do evil deeds, and it seems as if there are no repercussions, because... Judgment is not executed speedily. Look at verse 12. Though a sinner do evil an hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men, unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. So there are just men, and it it seems like they're getting the reward of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men, to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. So there are wicked men, and it seems like they get rewarded. There are good men who try to do righteously, and it seems as if they receive the punishment that the wicked deserve. I said unto that, this also is vanity. Then I commended mirth, Because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry, for that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. When I applied mine heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done upon the earth, for also there is that neither day nor night sleepeth with his eyes, then I beheld all the work of God that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this view of Solomon is the view of many people in the world today. Lord, help us to have some understanding from your word about this subject of suffering, the subject of evil. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this statement of Solomon, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you need to understand that. The book of Ecclesiastes is, it's the view of the world from man's perspective. It's the view of the world from a man's perspective. Here is the the, the wisest man in the world. God gave him more wisdom than he ever gave any person in the world. And as he looks out and he looks at the world and he's trying to find the good, he can't find it. He can't see it because it seems like evil prospers. The psalmist said, why do the heathen rage? And where is God? And people often cry out and they ask this question, where is God when there is suffering and when there is evil? The unbeliever asks how, if God does exist, can He allow all the pain and suffering in the world? Therefore, God does not exist. There are many people who don't believe that God exists because of the suffering that they see in the world. And then the believer, while believing in and trusting all the, in an all-powerful, benevolent Creator can still struggle when faced with suffering in their own lives. This is the reality of it. The reality of pain, the reality of suffer suffering is that it is universal. Uh, young people, I promise you that if you live long enough, you're going to have pain. If you live long enough, you're going to have suffering. It would be a bummer if that was the end of the message, wouldn't it? And you understand that there are people that that's the way that they look at the world, that the world is simply... Uh, it's it's completely random. There's no purpose to any of it. Some people are lucky. Some people are unlucky. And nothing, there's no higher power that has anything to do with any of it. It's all random. It's all senseless. So go and get as much as you can because you're going to die and then there's nothing left. That's what the world believes. That's where they are. There is this problem. It is real. The question of pain and suffering, it provides the greatest challenge to belief in God. You know, there are people who are raised as Christians. They're raised in the church. They, 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 and by the church, I don't mean some broader institution. I'm talking about in a local church. They're raised in a church. They know the truth. And then something horrible happens in their lives. And because they can't reconcile it with their view of God, they walk away from God. How many of you have known someone that that has happened to? This is why it's so important that we understand the place of suffering and the place of pain in the world. The believer asks, Where is God? That's what happens. Sometimes, when something horrible happens, the believer will turn and say, Where is God? God, where were you when I was going through this? The unbeliever goes through it. The atheist goes through the same thing. And they do not ask where God is. They declare there is no God. If this could happen to me, there can't be a God. And that's where people are in this world right now. Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, he wrote in a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication. Some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. And you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. DNA neither knows nor cares, DNA just is. That's his position. But I want you to notice something about his position. He says there is neither good nor evil. That's his statement. But his statement also is you won't find any rhyme or reason to it nor any justice. If there's no good or evil, then how can he be looking for justice? If there's no right or wrong, if there's no good or evil, if there's not a higher moral law, then how could we ever expect justice? And where would the idea of justice even come from? If everything is blind chance, and there's no morality, there's no right or wrong, there's just simply a greater good, where does the concept of a greater good come from? It doesn't make sense. It couldn't happen. But that's the position that the atheist takes. They come up with this trilemma. And if you... Sam Harris, the famous atheist now, uses this approach. And, of course, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens. They're using the, the question of evil... And according to them, the fact that evil exists is evidence that God does not. And here's how the argument goes. Number one, it's a trilemma. Number one, God is all-powerful. He can do anything He wills. Number two, God is all-loving. He cares with an intense value for His creation. Number three, evil is a reality. Suffering is an all-pervading part of this world. And so based on those three statements that most Christians would agree with. Based on those three statements, the atheist says that Christianity cannot exist. Here's what, here's what uh, J.L. Mackey says. It can be shown not that religious beliefs lack rational support, but that they are positively irrational. Now listen to what he says. Religious beliefs, not only do they lack rational support, you can't rationally come to these positions, he says, but that they are positively irrational. Irrational that the several parts of the essential theological doctrine are inconsistent with one another, so that the theologian can maintain his position as a whole only by a much more extreme rejection of reason than in the former case. He must now be prepared to believe not merely what cannot be proved, but but what can be disproved from other beliefs that he also holds. So here's what they're saying. If we as believers, if we as Christians believe that God is all-powerful, he can do anything, that God is all-loving and he does what he pleases, but that evil also exists and is universal, that those are inconsistent. And so they believe that with those three statements, they can disprove the existence of God. The atheist attacks the idea of theism on the basis of suffering, the trilemma. God is all-powerful. He can do anything He wills. God is all-loving. He cares with an intense value for His creation. Evil is a reality. Suffering is an all-pervading part of this world. And it's interesting that that statement, while these atheists, they think that they're so original, that Solomon said the same thing all those years before Christ. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. Imagine if we could remove pain from the world. Now, you understand that we have a culture that that's what they're trying to do is remove pain. Right? So that's why when your kids go to school and there's a game, they play against each other, but there are no winners because losing is painful. Right? We've got to stop playing football because little Beaufort might get hurt. We, we've got we've to stop anything that can bring pain into the world. The first hint of pain and people are looking for a pill. Our doctors could tell you that one of the number one calls they get is, can I have more pain medicine? Can I have more pain medicine? Can I have more pain medicine? But I'll tell you this, when you're in the pain, it's very real. When you're experiencing genuine pain, I had uh, an ingrown toenail once. That doesn't sound like much. But I went to this doctor, and it was Dr. Patel. I can still remember. How many of you know I'm already in trouble? Okay? So I go to Dr. Patel, and I, I, I've got this ingrown toenail, and he said it'll be, I don't remember the number, let's say $300 to get it fixed. I said, I don't have insurance. He said, okay, it'll be $100. I didn't know what he was removing for the difference between the 100 and the 300 He comes in with this needle, and he goes right into the tip of my toe, with this needle. And honestly, I thought I was going to jump through the ceiling. And then he pulled out these, they, they just look like side cutters, you know, like if you've ever done, used cut through tin or big wire. And he just went into my, my toe and cut off the one side and cut off the other. No, no, of the toe. It had all grown over. So he cut out the skin. He cut out everything. And then he said, afterwards, you might have some discomfort. (laughs) You wouldn't think that a toe could hurt that much. It was terrible. It was terrible. You know, there are people in this room that have experienced way more pain than that. I sure hope I never have to experience that kind of pain. And and the thing about it is, it's not just my toe that was hurting. It felt like I was completely immersed in pain. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Uh, childbirth. It didn't hurt me at all. I. I don't... <laughs> But immersed in this pain, and and pain really does exist. And so I I think that it would be good for all of our doctors to be tortured before they're allowed to practice so they understand what pain actually is. Amen, Dr. Edwards. Yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, uh, Justin Hall, brother-in-law, he texted me this morning that he's praying for the service, and I told him I was preaching on suffering, and he said people are going to have to suffer through my preaching. Um, pain is real, isn't it? it? It's very real, and so for believers to say, "Well, God has an ultimate purpose in your pain," well, that's great when you're to, in, in a uh, in an academic sense when you're not in the pain. When you're genuinely in the pain, that pain is very real. And even that phrase, I am in pain, it's not that my toe is hurting. It's that I feel like I am enveloped in pain. And that's physical pain. There's worse pain than that. You lose a child, lose a loved one, relational pain. Unbelievable, the pain that comes into the world. And so we don't want to flippantly say that these atheists focusing on pain that it's an illegitimate argument because we must recognize the issue but now imagine if i had a magic wand all right that magic wand that we were that god was accused of having we talked about last week in creating the world imagine if i had a magic wand and i could remove pain from the world i want to illustrate this with two with two stories how i can if I could remove the pain. Um, Ravi Zacharias talks about this. A girl was diagnosed with CIPA, that's congenital insensitivity to pain with anhidrosis. Now, what that is, it's the inability to feel pain. It's very rare. The inability to feel pain. With this condition, she could step on a rusty nail that penetrated her foot And consequently develop a life-threatening infection, but she would feel no pain and not even realize that she had been wounded. She could place her hand on a burning stove and not feel the flesh melt. So with this condition, there are two realities. The first is actual destruction and debilitation. So the the stepping on the nail or the burning of the flesh, that is actual destruction and can debilitate her, this girl, from being able to do anything. That's one reality. The second reality is no feeling or awareness of the destruction and debilitation. She doesn't feel it. Pain has been removed from her life. Imagine if we could remove pain from the world. Her system has no ability to warn her. The article that Ravi quotes, her mother prays every night for her child. Lord, please let my daughter feel pain. How many of you remember the news story just recently where an Australian student was studying in the United States or had come to visit the United States and three young men killed him just to kill somebody? How many of you remember seeing that story in the news? They felt no pain over what they had done, No remorse and no guilt. The father of one of them said this, My son doesn't feel the weight of doing anything wrong. So what have we done? We've removed pain from the world. This young girl, she can't feel pain. And yet, that can lead her to horrible problems. And as a society, if our young people no longer feel the pain of remorse, the pain of regret the pain of of recrimination for their actions. If, If that pain is removed, then what does the culture look like? Then it becomes the world of Dawkins, where you're lucky if you don't come across one of those young people. And if you do, too bad. And if they kill you, it's not really bad because there was no purpose for your life anyway. Your life has no intrinsic value. That's the world when you remove pain. Pain is a real indicator for a better purpose. Does that make sense? Pain is a real indicator for a better purpose. If you go into the doctor and the doctor's examining you, you've fallen, the doctor starts feeling. And when they get to the, a spot and they touch it and you jump off the, the bed or the table, what do they say? I found the problem. What is, pain is an indicator of an underlying problem. How would you like to break a bone and not feel it? It would be horrible. It would be horrible. Pain is a real indicator for a better purpose. Both of these stories tell us that when an underlying malfunction is real, the symptomatic issues, though secondary, are warning lights of what needs to be fixed. So think about this. Pain is a warning light for what needs to be fixed in your life. But pain is also a warning light for what needs to be fixed in the culture, in the nation, in the world, and in humanity in general. That's what pain is. Pain. It's very important. It's very important. The worst kinds of diseases are the ones where there are no symptoms that indicate the fatal effect is doing its deadly work. Freedom from pain is not the only indicator of whether or not something is beneficial. So now I'm God, and now I, with my magic wand, able to, I'm able to remove all the pain in the world. Is that good? No. No, because pain does have a purpose in this world. You see, the problem is that trilemma that we talked about, it's too simplistic. Remember what it is. Uh, we started with it. God is all-powerful. He can do anything He wills. God is all-loving. He cares with an intense value for His creation. Evil is a reality. Suffering is an all-pervading part of this world. Those are three true statements, but they are not complete statements. Here's what we would say, and it changes everything. God is all-powerful. He can do anything He wills. God is all-loving. He cares with an intense value for His creation. Do you all agree with those two statements? How about this? God is all-wise. He makes no mistakes. You see, when we recognize the wisdom of God, if pain exists in the world, and if God is all-wise, there must be a beneficial aspect to the pain that I am enduring. It changes everything. Not only that, but let's add another. So God is all-powerful. He can do anything He wills. He's all-loving. He cares with a great value for His creation. God is all wise. He makes no mistakes. God is eternal. He exists outside of time. Evil does exist, but only in time. Then what happens? All of a sudden, the conversation is completely different. Pain has a purpose. The purpose of the pain is to bring us to God. The purpose of the pain is to punish for wickedness. The purpose of the pain... There there are many reasons why God has allowed pain into this world that are perfectly reasonable. Look at Isaiah chapter 57. What a great passage this is. Isaiah 57. look at verse 15 Isaiah 57:15 For thus saith the high and lofty one I'm here in pages I'll wait until you get there Isaiah 57 look at verse 15 For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth what eternity whose name is holy I dwell in the high and holy place with him also That is of a contrite and humble spirit to receive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. You see, God inhabits eternity and we come to Him through humility. It's the only way that we can come. It's where we recognize our sinful condition and the pain that our sin has caused. You see, the only way that pain can be removed is is if sin is gone. As long as there is sin in the world, there has to be pain. But the only way that God can remove the sin is to remove the possibility of salvation by destroying everything. So pain exists for a purpose. Suffering exists for a purpose. But here's the beautiful thing. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. If the world was as the atheist describes it, our position, or Let me say it again. If the world were, as the atheist believes the Christian to hold to, that is, that God is all-powerful, God is all-loving, and evil is pervasive. If that was all there is, then it wouldn't make sense. But that's not all that there is. There is so much more to it. You see, the God who loves the world, the God who is all-powerful, the God who is all-wise, and the God who is outside of time, what that God did was that God became like his creation. He became a man, stepped into time, and bore the pain and suffering of man for man. That is a completely different God than the one that is described by the atheist. Everything changes. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, this is Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. A tender plant can be easily destroyed. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. The iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. We sang this a little while ago. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Remember, he is the word. He upholds everything by the word of his power. If he had opened his mouth, he could have ended everything, but he didn't. You understand what that silence means? It's so much more than not complaining. You have to know who the word is. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was, was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Remember, God does anything he pleases in our statement. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. What did Jesus Christ do? He came into this world of pain and bore the pain, greater pain than any of us could ever suffer. On the cross, Jesus Christ suffered more than the cumulative sufferings of all the people for all of time and for all of eternity. That's what Jesus Christ bore in his body on the cross, the iniquities of us all. That's what he bore. The suffering, the sin, the punishment of every person in the world. All of that suffering was placed on him. What is the purpose of pain? The purpose of pain was so that sin could be atoned for. If I could remove pain, there'd be no salvation. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts 17. Verse 2, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have what? Suffered. And risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. That's who Jesus Christ is. Look at Acts chapter 26. Acts 26. Look at verse 22. Suffering. Pain. Acts 26, verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer and that He should be the first that should rise from the dead and show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. You see, Jesus Christ came into this world so that He could suffer for you and for me. Imagine if there was no pain. If there was no pain, then we could not be saved. Jesus Christ came and bore that pain. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 9, this God who is all-loving and all-powerful and all-wise, look at what He did. Hebrews 2, verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. You see, he could not be the captain of us without suffering. Why? Because we could not be with him if he had not suffered. So he had to come and be like us. Verse 11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. I will sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, so we have flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham, wherefore? In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Anyone here ever been through any suffering? Jesus knows. Jesus cares. He became a man like us so we could be a part of Him. If there were no pain, we could not be saved. If there were no suffering, we could never have the hope of eternity. What a beautiful thing. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. If you are in pain right now, if you're suffering right now, look at this passage. Romans 8, verse 18. For I reckon... Everybody there? Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present what? Time. Would you mark that word time? Suffering happens in time. Suffering happens in time. Okay, let's read the verse again. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? So when you get saved, he came into his own and his own received him not, but to many, as re- but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to be called the sons of God. So uh, when you get saved, you become a son of God, but but you don't see that yet. Right now, my body is this sinful body. I am going to get a body that is like his, and then the sons of God will be revealed. That's what this passage is saying. Verse 20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in what? Pain together until now. The whole creation, the earth itself, and all the inhabitants thereof are in pain. Why? Verse 23. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of the body. See, one of these days my body is going out of here. And you know what's going to happen? Time is going to be no more. Time is going to be no more. You see, pain is intended to bring us to God. Remember what the Bible says? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, but now, pain is intended to bring us to God. Pain was the vehicle through which God brought redemption by the suffering of His own Son, paying for our iniquity, suffering and death for our iniquity. But pain is also the tool that He's going to use to bring Israel back to Him. The word pain is used 27 times in the Bible, 21 times it's about Israel and the tribulation pain pain does have a purpose I want you to think about something where there is freedom there is the possibility of love is that right I mean you can you know you can look at that wall and ask that wall to love you and if you think it does you're crazy why because that wall doesn't have any freedom that wall is only there because we put it there is that right? You see, where there is freedom, there is the possibility of love. Where there is love, there's the possibility of pain. When you give yourself to be loved, and someone gives you love and then takes it away, what's the result of that? Pain. Pain. Where there is freedom, there's the possibility of love. Where there is love, there's the possibility of pain. But Where there is pain, there's the possibility of a Savior. Where there's the possibility of a Savior, there's the possibility of redemption. And where there is redemption, there's the possibility of restoration. Did you know that you were never intended to have pain? You were created to have perfect fellowship with a holy God. Do you know what's going to happen one of these days? The redemption of the body. Do you know what's going to happen one of these days? We are going to live without sin. And in a world without sin, there is no pain. But you need to understand something. Neither is there the possibility of anyone else coming to God. Look with me at Revelation chapter 21. Isn't that what we want? And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more, what? Pain. For the former things are passed away. Isn't that going to be a wonderful time? But understand that no one else can ever Come to God. We pray, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Remove us from this pain. But what if that means that a child of yours doesn't get to go to heaven? What if that means that a brother or a sister doesn't get to go to heaven? What if it means that millions and millions and millions of people, it's too late for them? It's too late for them. When you ask God to remove pain from the world, do you realize what you are asking? You see, pain and suffering, they're terrible. It's, it's, it's real. When you are in it, it is real. But the God who allows that pain is the God who loves you so much that He became one of us and suffered more pain than we could ever suffer. Why? Because pain always has a purpose. Pain was to bring us to Him. Pain enabled us to come to Him, and pain will draw His people back to Him. Until one day, when there is no more pain, until then, as we suffer, let's count it an honor, that our light affliction is but for a little while. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Lord Jesus, thank You for suffering for us.